Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass, your weekly automotive podcast hosted by two rather uninformed enthusiasts. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm Sam from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. Oh, I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. And you can watch us each week on YouTube. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most podcast players. We hope you enjoy the episode. I was going to start this episode by saying, oh, it's a dull and dreary day here in the UK. A classic British spring day where it's raining. You can hear the water droplets on the roof. I need to be absolutely correct to say that because it is pouring hard outside. It's pouring hard outside, but the sun is shining in my heart because today I just found out <laughs> it's Tony's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... And you would have never known. It's only because it's the dog's birthday and, and I would never have told you because why would I? I mean, it's just another day, but... Well, in seven years of friendship? Yeah. How, firstly, have we never clocked that you and Twiggy have the same birthday? No idea. And secondly, really bad on my side that I don't... Well, when's my birthday, actually? No idea. Yeah, fine, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I sometimes know, because Paul knows your birthday, and he'll put it in the group. Uh, yeah, fair, so, he does. Yeah, so, Paul's pretty good at the birthday chat, actually. Yeah. He remembers most people's birthdays. Yeah. He's a better friend than both of us are to each other. To anyone. To anyone, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, if you are, if you are watching uh, on YouTube, please put happy birthday messages in the comment section. Uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., you can tweet us. Um, but of course, we have a load of live viewers today over on Recast who have already wished Tony happy birthday and witnessed off air me handing him his rather impromptu gift which was this ferrari travel mug love it which thank god i had lurking around in the shelves behind the camera so uh they also that if you want to see some sort of extra behind the scenes content uh, get involved in a live stream or live chat uh, then you can join us each week on recast for our recording sessions which happen a few days before these episodes go out live are you good at people's birthdays remembering birthdays no me too i am the worst i just about remember my daughter's and even that, I get the days mixed up. Yeah, well, my dad is the one that I always get mixed up. I, I, I hope I will remember my daughters, but uh, <laughs> I do remember Let's it. See. But I just yeah. get, I get confused which which day. Well, you sort of panic, right? The closer you get, you start to go. Oh, was it the twenty one? Yeah, yeah. It's really bad. That I don't know what it is. Is it because, as you say, we don't really care much about our own birthday, so therefore we don't give much attention to others? Like, what's that about? No idea, mate. No idea. I mean, in the family. My sister tells me everything. Don't forget, it's Fingy's birthday. Yeah, yeah, Fingy's yeah. birthday. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever care about your birthday? Like when you were eighteen, we were like, oh, "Come on, lads, we're going out in 
Bromley. No. That's Bromley again. That's yeah, yeah. Well, I did, we did just go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, because never I, I, never, I was never really a party, and I wasn't really a big drinker. I used to go out, obviously, when I was a kid, but I wasn't a big party lad. You know, like what's the best birthday present you've ever had? Uh, pista. Bought myself a pista. Oh yeah, my I birthday. do remember that actually. Yeah, cheeky yeah. bugger. Yeah, that's my that's my 40th birthday present to myself. So what's the 50th? Nine eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you won't have to. Oh, laugh. I'm going to have a us. laugh. Yeah, yeah. We already have a nine eighteen because of our, our. I was about to give away our big plan there. Uh, uh, <laughs> Actually, no. It's not. It's not giving <laughs> it's away. Not We've talked plan, the yeah. raffle. Yeah. I was saying like that's a secret. Um, anyway, it's been a super interesting few days for me, and I thought we'd just dive in and chat about what I've been up to. What have you been doing then? I went to the McLaren Technology Centre. Oh, oh. And I picked up an Artura. Uh, uh, and. I mean, you was on time. You was here on time. I was here, and it's downstairs. It works? Yeah, yes. <laughs> that means no. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you're new to this podcast, you need a little bit of updating. We have what's called a checkered past with McLaren. Both previous McLaren owners, quite a long time ago now, fair to say. And Six sport- years ago? Yeah, sports series oh. owners. Me, 540C, Tony with the 570S. He always has to try and outdo me. Um, As I normally do. <laughs> <laughs> and I think... At that time and before that, you know, it's a brand that we were super excited by. We were intrigued by. The cars were fantastic in the right situation, the right conditions. We went to Scotland and we were banging on about how we thought they were the best cars on the trip. They were on the up. They, oh they, my they God. Were, like they ev- were flying. Yeah, everything was just exciting. Then around COVID or maybe just before, there was just a bit of a turn. Before in, then? Just before then, I think. 2018, 2019. Yeah. Uh, around the 720S, really. Yeah. Where... Well, just too many sort of negative things started to happen in and around McLaren cars. They were breaking down. After sales uh, care was appalling. Um, reliability, was, yeah, was bad. The quality, like it just... The whole shebang. Everything went horribly wrong. Yeah. And so over the last two or three years, we've been fairly... Neg- all over the last four years, we've been fairly negative about their cars. But at the same time, we've spoken about how much we want them to succeed. That most of our frustration comes out of the fact that we actually really want the cars and the brand to do well and we get annoyed when they fall short of that mark, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and we've, we've also, we have really heavily criticised them, obviously, because of the product that they're trying to sell and the amount of money they're trying to sell it at. But we have, like you said, equally said before, how good the product is on face value before it goes wrong and the, the you know the actual design of it and what it can do and the value for money for it and and actually one or two of the cars that they've actually made we actually like well i think LT products 675 LT and 765 LT two cars that i think we would have in our 20 car collections for sure i definitely would have bought if not one of them, both of them, if I had a bit more confidence in the brand, for sure. So it won't surprise you to hear me say, (laughs) turning up to the McLaren Technology Centre, I was a giddy child. Because, as I say, no matter what our, sort of, whatever we've said over the last few years, whatever we've vocalised, it's really hard not to be super overexcited. Firstly, arriving at that venue, because it's an incredible place. Yeah, yeah. But then drive also, around the lake. Yeah, literally, you drive around the lake, you get the yep. full view of the building. It's beautifully designed. It was an incredibly sunny day when I went there. I can't believe what happened. Um, but yeah, a beautiful day. 
and I'm going to pick up a brand new McLaren that I haven't driven yet, which is supposedly the next year or the next year. I was like, this is amazing. And you walk in the doors to the boulevard yeah, where yeah. they had all the historic Formula One cars and they had historic road cars. They had the, one of the delivery or one of the, sorry, prototype 12Cs. They had P1 Oeuvre, that famous McLaren P1, which all the journalists drove. Like, just, I'm just like, this is so freaking cool. That's done 4,000 million miles. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's brilliant. Yeah. Interestingly, parked outside the front doors, a Ferrari 288 GTO. Oh. And I was like, well, thanks, McLaren, for arranging a Ferrari for when I visit. Zach Browns. Is it? Yeah. Legend. Well, but what does that say about the CEO of a company <laughs> who drives to work in its competitor's car? But hold on a minute, mate. Let's not, let's not, get, let's not get too excited, right? M- McLaren don't make a car of that age to compete with that car firstly what's good for Toto Wolf is good for Zach Brown Toto Wolf's had millions of Ferraris and he's Mercedes CEO and lots of other I mean it's fine he but does have- he dr- does Toto Wolf drive to work in a- an Enzo no, you have to ask him. No, I, I don't do. think he does. Well, he doesn't now because he sold it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean, though? I mean, he may Hey, have. look, I totally get what you mean. Like, there's a difference between running a company that's building modern cars and driving a vintage classic. Yeah. And maybe there's something in, look, guys, our brand should be get what ferrari represents you know that this is aspirational like if i'm choosing to drive this car to work that's the kind of cars the legacy that we're trying to create here yeah and it, and it, and it doesn't run mclaren automotive he runs mclaren he does f1 no he runs automotive as well. across both all oh, right yeah yeah he's like group ceo he replaced ron dennis oh did he yeah yeah he's like head honcho Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh well he's the problem then yeah <laughs> <laughs> so as the leader of a company, what does it say about you? Is it the right move to be turning up to work in a four or five million pound classic car? Um, well, well, it's very difficult, man, mm. because obviously he's a very wealthy man anyway. Because of before he started working at McLaren, yeah, but his position as well, obviously, paid correctly. Do. Do staff look at him and think, you flash bastard, you should be in a golf? <laughs> or do they think, maybe I should work a bit harder and make this brand work and I can have a 288 GTB, which is exactly how I'd look at it. it. That's the thing, right? It's a really hard one to call. Yeah. I, I would assume, and I'm judging this purely from the outside of what I've seen on TV, I would assume Toto Wolf is going to work in a diesel A-class. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think he's a, I'm one of you. I might have the billions, but I'm one of you. Yeah. Where Zach Brown's like, America, succeed. Like, because it's a very American thing to do. Like, the boss turns up in a big money car because, heck, I've worked my ass off. I own this car. I deserve it. And if you work your ass off, you can have one of these cars as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the mentality. That's a very American mentality, by the way. It's not a UK mentality. Because, Definitely not. Because in in the UK, as most of you all know, if you if you've got wealth in the UK, you're not supposed to shout about it. You're not supposed to show it, essentially. And if you shout about wealth, you haven't got none. Which is like me. <laughs> 
as I've got no money at all. Nothing. As people often give it call a you out in the comment section. Um, live stream viewers, by the way, let us know in the live chat. What do you think? If your boss turned up to work in a four to five million pound two eight eight GTO, what are you thinking? Um, I'd be interested to know your thoughts. But yeah, I just I was. It was just one of those things. It really hit me as I as I parked up and I was like, Can I take the hat? Can you take the... No, no, that's what you've Oh, can I take that instead of the Artura? Yeah, yeah sort of. <laughs> I was like, is that available for test drives? Yeah. But I was just like, wow, that's, there's really something. It's a very... It's parked right outside the front doors. Like, Brilliant. boom. Yeah. The first car you see arriving at the McLaren factory is a Ferrari. So was he there or was he just parked No, no, there? he was there apparently. Uh, he, he was, was there, flying there. to Australia late for the Grand Prix. But yeah, no, I mean... Uh, anyway, that was... A, that was Already impressive, but also, as I say, like a, a bit giant, just a bit um, caught my eye. But yeah, you walk into the boulevard, absolutely amazing, super cool. All the people at McLaren have always been really, really nice. And it dawned on me again, how, with that setup, I mean, I saw hundreds of people, because I went at lunchtime, so everyone was walking around, hundreds and hundreds of people, beautiful building, there's work going on everywhere. How, firstly, is the F1 team an absolute disaster this year, and arguably it's been a bit of a disaster for 10 or 15 years, but... Secondly, are the road cars having so many issues? Because it's it's such an impressive place with so many people. And when you when you talk to them and when you learn about the cars and hear about things, you're like, wow, this is amazing. So where does it all go wrong? Uh, well, it always comes from the top. Firstly, McLaren hasn't got any money. And secondly, they don't own that building, by the way, anymore. Someone else owns it because they had to sell it. Um, leadership always comes from the top. So maybe Zach Brown should stop driving around in his 288 and concentrate <laughs> on running the company properly. I don't, I don't know. I don't know him. I'm sure he's a nice man. Um, but maybe they're all running around like busy fools, mate. They're not actually doing anything. Yeah, Just maybe. running around with bits and papers looking busy. Yeah, a lot of people are all, all very well-dressed. Yeah, they're yeah. all very athletic. Yeah, yeah. They're all having coffee breaks. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, but maybe not efficient. That's what I'm saying. That, yeah. that, that, does, that doesn't make you a good car, does it, or make you a good F1 team. I guess not. I mean, as I say, it's, it's just, it's a really, I say, if you're ever lucky enough to go and visit, try make sure you do. If you get the opportunity to go and visit, make sure you do because it's a really impressive place and you can't help but drink the Kool-Aid. The minute you walk into MTC, you're just like, <gasps> it's more impressive for me than any other automotive factory. Better than Ferrari. I, I genuinely think better than Ferrari. The problem is, and I know you're probably going to say better than Porsche and better than Merck, the difference between that them brands is that it's serious time and it's time to work whereas mclaren you walk into mclaren and everyone just seems to be having a bit of a party well no not a, pa- not a party all just having a nice time but it's that ron dennis mentality of if you create the ultimate working environment feng shui beautiful clean lines swept floors everyone will be focused in this beautiful mindset and achieve what needs to be achieved and that and was that, no, that was true during his era but i think what's been proven is it wasn't necessarily the building more so his mindset do you know do you see what i'm saying well clearly yeah because he's he's gone and it's no good anymore yeah so you can have a beautiful building with clear glass and water and feng shui and beautiful but but actually i'm fundamentally by the way going back to zach brown it won't be all his fault because like you know you can't polish a turd basically as in he, he probably hasn't got the tools to to fix the problems. You know, fundamentally, mate, unfortunately, as we all know, what makes the world go around is money. And McLaren ain't got none. 
Yeah, you're, so you're, you're it's, not, a, it's, a, it's a problem. You're not wrong, but they're going through a major uh, internal structural change. They've got new... So he's group CEO, I believe, or group director, or whatever. Probably needs some help. Um, but yeah, but there's obviously McLaren Racing got their own and uh, McLaren Automotive have got a new... Because who was the guy before? Mike Fluitt? Yeah, Mike I Fluitt. Don't know, yeah. He, he, he left. He probably needs some help. Ceremoniously, yeah. They can't afford anyone to come in and help him. I, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, anyway, so let's switch to the Artura because that's what I was going to collect. Now... The problem with the Artura, fundamentally, yeah. is it's about two years late. Does it feel two years old already? No. I just mean the fact that they kind of launched it <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> and, and took it immediately away. Uh, literally that. So yeah. if you all remember, I wonder when the... I should probably actually have a quick look. When the official unveiling of the Artura was, because it must have been unveiled uh, a long long time ago 2021 yeah 2021 and it's only just about now that they're starting to do proper press drives and cars are slowly heading out to market very slowly by the way now it's a little bit hard to understand exactly why that is yeah there is i think an uh, an illusion no um they're hinting towards it's not an official statement in any safe word that it was to ensure that the cars were ready. If this is a new dawn, a new era for McLaren, and let's face it, reputationally, they were in a bit of the doldrums of quality control. Let's say there was an issue, which I think we can read between the lines, there must have been, and I think we know there was. I think still is as well. Potentially, but they're now... That, 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 and that's why they, that, that this is... That's what I was... Because I really pushed them on it. I was like... Why is this car so late? Why is it so delayed? And there was a little bit of, oh, you know, everyone's had delays, like Porsche have had delays, like COVID. Like, I was like, yeah, but <laughs> I do know that there was a global press drive at the end of last year and you sacked it off whilst journalists were there. Yeah. So, you know, long story short, I, I, that's what I'm reading between the lines is that they have just taken their time to ensure that the finished product is a finished product. Yeah. But that has meant it's coming to the market when the market has kind of moved on. Yeah, and they've missed the boat. A little bit, because mm. if you just write it down on pieces of paper, it's a rival for the 296 GTB, right? Um, on, on a piece of paper, without price, sorry. Just in terms of its... And without power as well. I mean, it's hugely down on power. Okay, well then actually... 150 that, horsepower less. Fine, well that backs me up a bit, because what I was going to say is it's a sports series car. McLaren don't officially call it sports series anymore, but it used to be 720S versus 488, right? Yeah. It wouldn't be 570S versus 488. No. So 296 GTB should sit above Artura. Absolutely. And I think it does. Absolutely, yeah. But still, within its segment, hybrid or not, it's just a little bit a little bit late to the game, I think. You know, there's yeah. lots of other things that have moved on in that sector. Yeah. Um, even like MC20's come along and just kind of barged it out of the way slightly. <laughs> well, I think that's more its rival than... Um than the Ferrari, for yeah. sure. And uh, obviously, mind you, it's, it's weird because Lambo are going to bring a... There'll be a hybrid Lambo, but that's probably a 296 rival more than... A, it's sort of going to sit in a bit of a weird... Yeah. Is it an R8 Turbo S rival? I, like, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it could it's, be a Turbo S. If there's a hybrid Turbo S, it'd be that rival. Probably. It's not really got a home no. anymore. But but that's okay. Let's just f judge it as, as it is then. And, and maybe yeah. it doesn't have any direct compa competitors. Two things immediately that I noticed. It's tiny. It's really small. Smaller than 570S. 
Inside or just in the whole car, the package? Luckily, luckily not inside. The whole package is a shorter wheelbase, a narrower car. So, especially on the UK roads. So, but just when you just stand next to it, you're like, oh, this is a small car. It actually, and I'm sure it's not, but it kind of gave me Lotus Amira vibes. Like that small, like it really I feels- I knew you were going to say that. I knew yeah. you were going to say that. <laughs> it feels really dinky. How are they doing now, Lotus Amira? It's <laughs> about 45 grand now. It's <laughs> Tony's favourite topic. He messaged us in the week in the group. Amiras are under list. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were so excited. Uh, well, because I was right again. Because of all the speculators who thought they were going to trade over oh. this car. <laughs> They've all done their conquers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but go on. How much are they actually trading for? No, they are under list, as in they're retail under list. Yeah, so a, a dealer's like, and these are all the people that are panicking that have tried to put my butt over, realize I can't sell them. So they've now got to try and get less money than what they paid for them. Brilliant. Uh, Andrea Alexander says he gets about 30 calls a week saying, I got my Amira. Would you like it? Yeah. 10K over, please. <laughs> <laughs> and he literally hangs up the phone. Um, so you don't call, don't call Tony or Andrea Alexander. No. He's trying to get rid of your Amira. Um, but yeah, so, so size wise it, it's really nicely compact it obviously looks and feels immediately like a 570s it's it's a it's a an upgraded 570s you know is that a problem not at all right okay fine. not at all and i think actually sculpturally it's more interesting than 570s there's much more many more beautiful lines like a very clever thing they've done is the roof and the windscreen surround is all one piece and there's no lines on the roof you know where you'd have uh, roof rails or what what those guttering lines join lines yeah know? yeah so it's all one beautiful piece which is stunning not very good for the rain as i've discovered today because when you open the doors all the rain goes in the doors but anyway well, they all um, do that though. Yeah, they, all they all do, do that, that by the way uh and the rear rear sort of boot deck is all one sort of clamshell piece so it's it's very pretty and then the side intakes are massive now and they've sculpted out the doors to so it's a it's a really pretty car yeah they've done an amazing job on the interior so, so it still feels nicely. You know how nice a cabin they are, spacious, roomy. They always have like great visibility, very low slung windscreen, all nice, that stuff. Nice materials. Yeah, yeah, nice materials until they sort of break. Um, well, they do break. They've moved things everywhere. So the, <laughs> the, remember the driving modes? Yeah, is that on the right, on the left-hand side passengers? So, no, they're now on the binnacle, the instrument binnacle behind the steering wheel and you control them with your index fingers is that good it actually kind of is right takes a no it doesn't take easy to do it's anyway it just you know i actually know i like that i like that to right, be fair. okay um anyway there's a lot of that sort of stuff which i need to figure out but the interior they've what's great is they've actually taken on board feedback there's loads of points for example nose lift in a mclaren oh, nose lift was worst. always a disaster yeah and also they changed it over the years. So it was in this weird stalk and it was a sub menu and you had to filter the thing to go up and down yeah. and pull it. Pull it across, pull it back and then pull it up to get it up. And whenever you were in a McLaren and you approached a speed bump, you went, oh crap, how do I do it again? Now it's just simply a button on the dash. Boom, done. Easy. Right, well, <laughs> I mean, like every other modern competitor. Literally, button. but thank God they did that. And yeah, they didn't stick with their way. So they've done a few things like that where you're like, well done, McLaren. You yeah. weren't super stubborn. You figured that out. And McLaren, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, like a GT Porsche, it does need lift. Yes. Oh, yeah. That you have to have lift in them. Have to have lift. Yeah. But it's, you know, really nice place to see it. And it got me, got me get excited again. I was like, this, this is cool. Like, it's a cool looking car. I'm back in a McLaren. It feels good. The, the new central screen thing is really nice. Does it looks work? great. Works for how I've used it the last 24 hours. Right. Apple CarPlay, no Android Auto. 
still a little bit slow on functionality. You go for the aircon, it's a bit slow to come up and come down, but it, it works. Is it their system or someone else's? Their system, I believe. Oh, I, don't, okay. I, mean, I, I didn't ask that question. But um, yeah, I just plugged in my Apple CarPlay and off I went. So it was only the air conditioning that was a bit f- fiddly. Um, but it's it just seems easier to push things. It seems very responsive in terms of that. It's a bit slow to change menus. So we'll learn more about that over the next couple of days. But then we get into the hybrid technology. And this is kind of actually what I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. Because 296 GTB, which as, they, as we've said, is not really its rival, but it's kind of close in in makeup. It's what we're comparing it to today. Yes. Is a genius in the way it deploys, uses, or even hides its hybrid powertrain. Oh, it's a proper car. But mate, it's not, it's just fantastic. And I summarised it in my 296 GTS drive. I left Marinello and I drove to the motorway in pure electric mode. The whole way, beautiful, crisp morning, cruising through Italian towns, absolute silence. I was like, this is, this is wicked. Like, I'm in a Ferrari inside in the morning. This is so cool. I get to the motorway and I've got like three miles electric range left. So I'm like, oh, I need to recharge this. So I change the driving mode and I, I can't yeah, you remember. Press a button. You press a button on the steering yeah. wheel. And I cruise along the motorway, at whatever you do, 70 miles an hour, not even paying attention to it. And by the time I get off the motorway 20 minutes later, the battery has recharged to 75%. Correct. You put it in qualifier mode. There we go. Brilliant. So then deploy it all, off I go, up on the mountain pass, having a brilliant time, got all the power. So I, was, I just like... I, Why genius. are you charging the battery, by the way? Yeah. So by the time you finish that mountain road, it'd be 100%. Exactly. Yeah. So ja, ja, and you... Yes, you have to know which buttons to push, but it's so simple yep. and it happens without you realising. There's no feel in the pedals. There's no noises going on. You're never struggling. It just works and it's brilliant. Yeah. So McLaren made a big spiel to me about how their system is also super easy. We didn't want to start bothering around with, with brake regen. We didn't want to mess around with the brake pedal feel. So we do it on overrun, just like the 296, yeah, theoretically. Yeah, it's, yeah. An, it's an engine. That's where they get their, their regen is basically through the, through the engine yeah, rather yeah. than the brake pedal. Yep. Perfect. So you literally just change your driving mode. The car works it out. You've got electric, comfort, sport, and track. Electric is obviously pure electric. Comfort just decides between the two. It's like start, stop. Sport and track, engine's like, on all like the time. The hybrid mode, probably. Yeah. As in, yeah. Exactly. And then sport and track, engine's on all the time. And that's helping to replenish the, the battery. Um, and you can as well, which is what they said, which I thought was brilliant, is you can tell the car very easily, f- fill up my battery. You can, you can set a minimum charge level, so don't ever drop below this. Or I just want full battery and you just go boom and it should just recharge. And I was like, perfect. I said, do I need to plug it in anywhere? Is it a, a perv? They went, well, you can plug it in, but you'll be fine. Just go and drive. And Well, when I had the SF90 and I drove the 296... You you never need to plug it in. No, you, you should. You drive ten miles, it charges itself back up. Exactly. Yeah. So super excited. Here we go. Off I went, and I left MTC. And because of the new instrument binnacle <laughs> and uh, the setup of the car, I thought I had left in comfort mode, as in the hybrid setting or the one that would switch between electric and engine. Um. And I, I cruise along, and again, I was having the same experience that I had in the 296. Like, this is, this is mega. Like, oh, it's, this is so cool. I'm in a new McLaren. It's electric, and I'm just, wow. I finally get to the motorway, or the A3 at least. And I'm joining the motorway, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm a little low on power here. Like, it's tapping out at like 50 or 60 miles an hour. I could do with the engine kicking in. But it's not kicking in, so I'm like, okay, well, clearly it's just chosen to still give me electric. So I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to let it do its own thing. 
And then as I'm cruising on the motorway, I start to notice my speed is dropping. So 70 miles an hour, 69, 68. And I'm going, what's going on? So I put my foot flat to the floor. Nothing happens. <laughs> Just still losing speed. I'm going... So I start stabbing the throttle. Like, <laughs> come on, like do I'm something. Like well, I'm wondering if there's a little kick down button. You know, sometimes a little depress yeah, button yeah, in yeah. automatic. Yeah, nothing's happening. I'm like, engine, wake up! And I look at the battery range, and it's like three miles, two miles, and I'm going, oh my god! So I go, ah, oh, I'm in electric only mode. Right, push engine then. So turned it on, went to comfort to kick the engine into life. But engine on on an Artura there's a 20 or 30 second period where the engine is doing a cold start and it doesn't actually power the wheels. So you remain in electrically power whilst the engine's cold started. So oh, Hold on a minute, hold on a minute before you go any further. So when, so basically, when you start your car in the morning, is, is this what you're trying to tell me? When you start your car in the morning, really loudly, waking up all your neighbours, you've got to sit there for 20 or 30 seconds before you can go? No. Right, good. So I was going to full on finish you off then. <laughs> you drive away, obviously in electric mode. Right. And then start it up. Yeah, start it up whenever you want. But whenever you start the engine, whenever you decide that you want engine power or the car decides it wants engine power, there's a 20 second period where the engine cold starts but does not drive the wheels. You still use electric power. So you can accelerate and the engine does not rev. Right, hold on a minute then. So I am right then. So if you pull up to your house the night before with no electric power, yep. you go to start the car in the morning, cold yep. start, it sits there for 20 or 37 seconds revving the balls out of it. You can't go nowhere. No, because there's always a minimum battery. That's what I did this morning. I woke up this morning. I had one, if not zero miles left on the range. So the engine had to boot in. But there's still a minimum enough charge that I'm reversing and I'm driving using the electric powertrain whilst the engine's cold started. When the engine's cold, can you just get in it like a normal car and drive it off? Yeah. Yeah. You can? Yeah. Because there's... You're never at a point where the battery is so dead that you can't utilise the power. Take the battery away from it. Completely take the battery. Can I get in the car, start it up on the engine, put it in normal mode and drive it away yes. cold? Yes. Right. Yes. That's all I want to know. Are you sure? You, yes. don't, you don't know, do you? <laughs> you haven't tried it, have you? No, no. I have, I have. I literally tried it this morning. That is literally my scenario. The and the, the point being, the point being, what I don't know, what I can't answer you is when you start the car, so let's say you start the car in sport or track, yeah. which is engine on. That's so what I'm asking I, you. I, I believe, and I could be corrected here, I believe whilst the engine is what's going through its initiation phase, which it tells you on the screen, I believe you will be driving that first 20 or 30 seconds using battery power because it never depletes the battery fully. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even if you've got zero miles range and zero percent, like you, you will always have a minimum amount of charge. So I don't know is my answer. If you literally have zero percent battery and zero miles, you get in and that battery is dead. When you start the engine, what happens? I don't know. That is a disaster because in a 296 or any other hybrid car, if there's no battery, you can just simply start the engine I, up and drive off. But I'm sure you can. This is, this is, I think we might be making a weird, it's a weird setup. I'm with you there, but I, I would be absolutely outstanding. Like I'd be, it flabbergasted. Yeah, it would not make it's not possible right. that they would say, if you haven't got charge, you can't drive the car for 20, 30 seconds. Right. It's purely conditioning the engine, and what it is, it's a cap burn off. So it's it's to maintain emissions and efficiency. That's why they do it. Right. Um, anyway, so there I am on the A3, losing speed, with no battery power left, and the engine's in its cold start phase. So I got twenty or thirty seconds where I'm on basically a motorway, losing speed. Bit dangerous. A little bit. <laughs> anyway, engine then kicks in. I'm like, right, okay, fine. So I go through the menus and activate recharge battery max because i'm like that's what i want to do super easy boom done i'm like great i'll get home i'm 20 minutes from home i'll probably get another if i was in a 296 15 percent, 20 percent off that like easy easy anyway as i'm driving nothing's really happening the, the battery range still says one mile and i've now found a sub menu which says i've got 12 percent battery then drops to 11 percent down to 10 percent. i'm going well this isn't bloody working but you're being powered by the engine now i'm powered there by the engine which it must still use part of the battery because that's the whole point of a hybrid powertrain, right? Is it use the battery to... But the engine should regenerate it. E- exactly. It shouldn't be the other way around. Exactly. So I'm going, what's going on? And I'm trying to like play around with the pedals a bit. I'm trying to drive. And there is a little gauge which says power and charge. It's a little blue thing and it's just moving like the smallest of increments. So I end up getting uh, to a petrol station just by my house and I pull in and think, oh, well, maybe I'll just stick it into a charger. But they're all fast chargers, so you can't plug it into a fast charger because it's the standard slow charger. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, right, well, I wonder what I do. So I sit there and I have a little sandwich in the car. And whilst I'm having a sandwich, the ignition's on, the battery drops another 2%. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going home. Because <laughs> at this point, it was a disaster. <laughs> anyway, so this morning I woke up and I'm like, right, I've got to figure this out. Awful day, as we've said, rain, rain, rain. And I get in the car, do the cold start, one moment. And I think, okay, so what did they tell me? Let me just think. They said it, it recharges on overrun. So therefore, maybe I just need to Go force the car to, yeah, r- overrun. So I drove the whole way here in first gear. 20 minute drive, first gear. And I've got 23 battery left, 23% on the battery. You drove in first gear? The whole way. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> that's why you were late. And that's how I recharged the battery. That sounds like a disaster. So yeah, my immediate feedback on the hybrid system is that part it needs a software update because 
it should, the car should, which is what I'm assuming Ferrari do the 296, and I don't know this. I'm assuming that when you're cruising on the motorway and the car should be sitting at two and a half thousand RPM, Ferrari make it sit at three and a half or four thousand and use that over rev to charge the battery. I, I guess that's what well, it works. Well, uh, so you have to be in a certain mode. Yeah, yeah. But, you have to, but, but I'm assuming yeah. that's the technology, right? I guess. Well, it, it, it won't give you extra revs. It will just charge a certain percentage at 2,000 revs. If you go at right. 3,000 revs, it will charge a bit faster. Okay, so, this, so this, then it's very, very different. Because this makes sense on the Arturo, obviously when you're flat out. When you're flat out, recharge the battery, like, and it will recharge pretty quickly because yeah. you know, that, that was a fairly quick charge on a short journey just sitting in first gear. Acting like a knob. In first gear. But that's, I don't think that's how, that's not the benefit. Like, you're going to drive hard <laughs> and use the battery. Actually, no, you're not, are you? You're going to charge it back up when you're driving yeah. flat out. But then you're going to use more fuel driving it flat out to charge the battery back up. And the bit, the bit you, yeah, the so fuel that, you saved. It's just not it. as clever. I understand their logic a bit now, except for my, if you make the mistake that I did. You leave it in electric too long, or you end up on the motorway in a long journey when you've got little battery power left. Yeah, so you, you just need to drive fast in the car, really. That's when it works. <laughs> Bit weird. You know, you know what it does suggest, and and now I understand why the back of the F one grid. Go on. <laughs> well, because it's going to need to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, no, I think it works. Like the, I say, everything else. Human error then. No, no, it's yeah, human error on me for leaving it in electric too long. But I was told that it would cut me off. There's a little bar where it says that's where it's going to stop and maintain charge. So I don't know why I didn't force. Didn't the, cut you off. Why I didn't force the engine into life at that point? That that that's weird. And I just don't think I understood it. Or I don't think the system works as well as it could. You shouldn't need to understand it. Mate. it that's it what I mean. Work. The two nine six just it just happens. Correct. It just works. Where with this, I had to figure it out myself. I had to tell myself how to recharge the battery, and then I had to drive here in first gear. Poor Twiggy on her birthday is nearly sick in the passenger seat. And, and, and clearly you never figured it out because you drove it in first gear. I mean, that's not correct. Well, no, because that would, I wanted maximum charge back because tomorrow I'm going to head off to Wales and I want to leave in the morning with as much battery charged up as possible because that's right. the start, start of the video. So that's why I drove it in first Fair. gear. So yeah, I mean, I'm still intrigued inside. I still, there's lots of things that I really like about it. I think the V6 sounds just like the old V8 from pootling around town. Does it? Yeah, it sounds very, very similar. Um, many, many plus points. But that part of the hybrid, that day-to-day -day livability, that part sort of, I'm a bit like, mm, is this a little bit clunky? And the 20 to 30 second cold start thing's a bit strange. Yeah, I can't work that out. That, yeah. the, that, don't, that don't sound right to me. There's something not quite right with all that. No, no, it is right. What you have, you've asked a question which I can't answer, which is yeah. what, what happens if you call. I am fairly sure, as I say, I'm fairly sure that the minimum state of charge in the battery means that you can always move. But I just think that first 20 or 30 seconds, the engine is never driving the, the, the wheels. So that first, that cold, in a cold start situation, the car is always driving the wheels using the electric powertrain. Right, that's what I think. So the engine would be on, but it would yeah. be the powertrain that's moving. Yeah, so yeah. the the SF ninety and the two nine six are not like that. No, not at all. You could you can literally drive off in electric, press a button, and it uh, instantly Ooh, kick the engine yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you drive on the engine. Well, anyway, as I said, I'm heading off to Wales tomorrow, and the video uh, with the Artura should go live on Sunday on the main channel. So, um, well, I hope it's that. good. I have my reservations, but I do hope it's good. I really hope I love yeah. it. Yeah, I really, I would love 
to champion McLaren. I would love, as a British, I, I would love them to be fantastic. I would have one again. I still want a 12C. I would have an LT. Like, I, like there's, but that annoys me about the hybrid and it, it needs to work. The car needs to work great, which so far it's, it is, but, you know, more of them need to work really well for a long time. Yeah. Anyway, we've, we've mentioned 296 quite a lot um, in today's episode and it's a bit of a comparison. Um, and obviously you got your 296 coming. Coming, yeah. And you had a bit of a flap at the weekend. Well, well it should be here imminently, but it's not coming. It's late. But you had a flap because I think in your... Because you're sitting around waiting for the car, you're doing what everyone does when they've ordered a car. You're now going and reading every review and watching every video because you're kind of impatient. I've watched all the videos, yeah. You've watched all the videos. And I'm flapping. Because why? Like what, what, What's happened? Because I watched a lot, a lot of the videos and I never, ever watch them. I don't watch them, mate. I wait till I get in the car and I make my own assumption. And I've made a mistake here because I have watched them and I shouldn't listen, but I did. So... Alarmingly, there was two cars that were tested. I know, I was One, there. You was there. Clearly, you didn't watch my video. But then. I watched it, thank you. I watched it when they come out, both of them, only because I was getting the car. But I watched both of them, thank you. And the the car they drove on the road was completely different to the car they drove on track. As Disagree. In, as in, that's not what they said. They all said, like, this is a different car. With the Assetto Fiorano and the tyres, mm. it's a different car. Mm-hmm. And then the car they drove on the road with the, was the non-Fiorano car with normal mm-hmm. tyres. So they all said various stuff, all mostly good. You said how good it is and how good the brakes are and blah, 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 blah. But I, I'm worried that I'm just not going to like it. I'm because mine is a non Fiorano car with normal tyres because most of the time I will drive it on the road. But I don't like that setup in general. As you all know, I like a track focused, semi sick tyre car for personal reasons. That's what I like. Um, so I've almost like before I've got it, I've almost questioned should I have got the Fiorano car with the tyres? And then talk myself out of that I have done the right thing by getting the non-Fiorano car with the normal tyres because of the price difference. And actually, there will be a special car coming at some point and that will be the car that I really do want. To thinking, well, I've got the non-Fiorano car with the normal tyres. I'm going to hate it. I don't think the Fiorano car would make you feel that much differently about the 296. Good. I don't think it's as night and day as maybe some journalists suggested or you might... That's what they said. Because, and hopefully Ferrari's lawyers aren't listening to this episode, (laughs) let's not forget, Ferrari do make sure that their track cars, and their cars, but especially their track cars, are... Perfect for those press launches. Of course. As in, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there would have been a reason as to why they felt so different to the road cars. Yeah. Because they are just set up to an inch of their life in terms of camber. and Anything that's adjustable is is adjusted. I think they run a slightly fruitier 
fuel rate, all these different things. And it was a baking hot day with cut two R's, yeah. which did last about two laps. Yeah, I remember but those two laps said, yeah. were astonishing. Flat out, yeah. Um, the car is what, 15 kilos lighter with the, with the Fiorano Um Between 15 and 30 kilos, but it's not worth talking about. Yeah, not yeah, worth yeah. talking about the, yeah, the, yeah. the weight. Yeah. So really it's then this suspension, which uh, I've forgotten. So you will have known because you've read more. It's fixed dampers, right? Correct. It's the, it's the fixed dampers. And, and, if you have the fixed dampers, you then don't get bumpy road mode. So it's supposedly very brittle. I say very brittle. But and you can't the, have lift either. Can't have lift. Yeah. You can't have bumpy road mode. And it's GT3-esque ride quality on a road. Well, it's, they said it's, yeah, similar to um, like McPherson or um, like GT40 suspension. That sort of... GT40? Sorry. GT4? What? No, what's the... Ford uh, GT. Ford GT. Ford GT, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Same thing. It's that... It's yeah, that yeah. It's the, um, you know, the multi-matic struts or the... Yeah. yeah. It, and, and look, I am certain the way that you drive on proper twisty roads, yes, you'll get the benefit of that. But is it suddenly going to make that car feel like a piece arrival? I don't think so. Because it's not a piece arrival. It's not a piece arrival. It's a 488 rival, which exactly. we know, which we all know. It's not. It's a GTB yeah. with just slightly firmer suspension. But 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 I I don't I might be wrong I really could be wrong but as you say there's going to be a, a version speciale VS version which is the piece of the speciale that whatever uh, coming which is going to be very you that will be the car for me that and so to spend the extra money I think you're still going to get in the and go oh it's a bit too short. so I think try as hard as you can to think of the two nine six as a fun car, an accessible car, like great, like it's super quick, all these things, good brakes, blah, blah, that will bide you time until the VS comes. Yeah. Because if you, if you even try to compare it with a Pista, it's going to fall short. No, yeah. No, no, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. do that anyway. Yeah. I'd, I, I would compare And I loved the 48 when it came out, didn't I? Exactly. So, you had uh, about six of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, I think you'll be, I think stop panicking. I think you'll be fine. I don't think you've made the wrong choice. I think the fear on the pack would have been unnecessary. And also, you don't need cup two hours on the road. No, no, no. But I would, I would have cup two. Well, then stick sure. them on the standard cup. Yeah, you can. Then you've you already can. got, you've already got your grip there. Yeah. So then it's just the suspension. Which, let's face it, it's Ferrari suspension. It's not going to be bad. No, no fair. It'd probably be nicer. So, I think you'll be having a good time. Don't worry about that. Uh, just checking in on some of the comments. We asked some of our live stream audience what they would think about their boss turning up in a two eight eight GTO. Um, Karis says, to be honest, uh, it's a bit of a bad look. It needs to be a McLaren. Uh, and then Kern said, I think if you turned up in a Golf, everyone would worry that things aren't going too well. Fair enough. Max, I think it's context. If you run a car company, I think it's okay. But if you owned Little and turned up in one, it might be a bit different. Fair point. And then Grant said, I cycle to work, so my staff have no idea I've got a 992 GTS. <laughs> uh, oh, look at this. M. Campbell, my boss turned up in a Mura SV. Boast motivation, best motivation ever. I That's agree. how I'd look at it. I, you know, if your boss, I mean, really different for me because the lads who work for me don't give a toss what I turn up in because <laughs> they're obviously they, it's car sales, so it's very, very different. But um, I, I, I would all, if I was an employee, it's not our culture in this country to, to applaud it. But if I was an employee, I'd say fair enough, as in that's what that. To have that car, if I was a car man, 
That's where I've got to get. That's where yeah. I've got to get in the food chain. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm sort of with you. Yeah. I'm sort of with you. It's, it's just the fact it was a Ferrari at the McLaren factory. Um, <laughs> anyway, exciting news! I have finalised my summer daily. Remember, we had this conversation that I'm heading down to the south of France for a chunk of time in spring oh, summer. Yeah, I might come down. I'm going to come down, and I. So you are going to come down. I'm going to yeah. do some some behind the glass specials. Yeah, from the south of France, which will be a ton of fun. So look at dates for that. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we'll sort it. So what's going on then? I mean, that's the first I know about this. I know because it literally got confirmed yesterday. You dickhead! <laughs> what do you think I'm going to say? I I I. I <laughs> What do you think I'm going to say? Something stupid. No, no. I think you're going to be very happy. So this is, don't forget, because it will be the, <laughs> be it will be the, I'll be, the GT3 I think will be there with me. I'm pretty sure for most of the time. Uh, and th- this is the, this is the family car. This is the car that I'll be living with to transport Vicky and our baby. And to, how are you going to get the GT3 there? Oh, you don't want to know the logistics. It's no, I don't so actually. complicated. Really? <laughs> oh, I'm losing what little hair I have left. <laughs> I emailed somebody actually, uh, a couple of days ago, saying, oh, "Look, I really need an update on this," and they're like, "It's like a month and a half." Where I was like, "I don't care. There is so much for me to figure out. You have to tell me this right now." Um, that yeah, the GT3 is getting there a few weeks before. Anyway, boring. Anyway, long story short, Range Rover Sport, new one. Yeah, P530, the V8. And what are you gonna do with that? Live with it. It's bloody perfect. But your GT3 is gonna be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. As yeah. I say, the fact that that is the. You'll come back and buy one of them. It's perfect. I think it'll be ideal, mate. Yeah, perfect. They offered me the hybrid, the P510e. Yeah. But I didn't know what my charging capabilities at the Airbnb would be like. And so oh, I thought, ah. Who cares? It's got an engine. And that's exactly it. And I haven't actually driven the V8 because when we did the launch, Archie hogged the V8 all day. So I never got behind the wheel of it. Um, and I, But what a car. And as I say, I think for that, like, it's the right size. I was contemplating big Range Rover, but I thought just a bit too big. So down there, I have a slightly smaller car. Still massive, loads of nice tech, easy to cruise. If we want to pop to Geneva for a couple of days, we can. Lovely. If we want to pop into Italy, like, absolutely oh, spot on. can or Saint-Tropez, you're going to have a bit of lunch. And the spec is spectacular. I'm just going to show you the spec. But can I say camera. something? Go so the, the, the V8 car, is that the new BMW engine? Is that a detuned M5 engine now? Because I know oh, the SVR is going to be that. It's not that charcoal burner of the... Oh, nice. Nice, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Do you know what? That's exactly how I'd have it. Has it got... Has it got uh, Light interior. Oh, oh mate. That's the car. It's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So I see how much it is. Uh, I know how much it'll be. Guess how much it is. Uh, what is it again? What model is it? The P530. Yeah. And it is... I'm just trying to find the level, the spec level, you know? HSC Dynamic. That's what I'm trying to find. I think it's an autobiography. Or it's a biography? Edition. Really? Hold on a sec. Oh, my God. Uh doesn't tell where would I find that hold on oh, the top no it's not there <laughs> standard features okay it's not t- it's not telling me I don't know alright is it is me. it I think uh, it's the it's got to be the big one am I far wrong from saying 115 to 120 <laughs> you're bang on oh. <laughs> 118 grand there you go I'm super excited about this I think it's going to be lovely you're right I'm going to come back on one one aren't I you, are, you can't yeah. get them like two years waiting list, right? Uh, it's insane. Might, might be a little bit less, but yeah. Yeah, it's a while, mate. It's a while. I mean, brilliant. I mean, that's oh, perfect. I know. I'm so excited. Do you know, can I tell you something? Though? Go on. They, that will be frightening how much that car is a month now. I bet they're 1,500 quid a month Do now, you though. think? Yeah. What, because of residuals it, or it, what? Residuals, interest rates. Because yeah. don't forget, like, you can get like a 20... 
2013 or a 2014 Range Rover Sport diesel now mm-hmm. for 25 grand. Yeah, fair. So fair. they will be 25 yeah, yeah, grand one would, day. They would. Why do the sports not uh, command such high values over list as the big Range Rovers? Um, a good question. I don't know the answer to that, but they just didn't. When the when the big Range Rovers come out, they were forty or fifty grand over list. We we as dealers don't pay overs for them. No, they're, if you look on the used market, they're not really overs. They're like they're like ten grand over Ma- so max. That's the dealer yeah, margin. Yeah. So yeah, there's no there's no money in them. So is that because the hype fell a bit flat with like because the the delays are just the same, the the lead time is just the same because. There's a lot of them out there. There's a lot mm. of used cars out there. Already for the sport. Yeah, because everyone that's bought one is either a speculator or they've flipped it. But so now the, the next batch that have come or the batch before that have come, you know, people have got orders for them and they're just waiting. But that's the same with Big Ranger. There are tons of them everywhere and they're still 20 or 30 grand advertised over list. Might be advertised, but are they selling for that? You firstly? tell me. I, I I don't I mean it's not your market no I, I've sold <laughs> I've sold three of them I'm oh, sorry and actually I had one of the first ones all so right start down. all that um, <laughs> but they were initially they were 45 50 grand over list them cars but maybe because they come out first and don't forget the sport is a lot of money mate you know, like you just said, they're one twenty now for a good spec one. Mm. That's a few quid. By the time you put the overs on them, they're one thirty, one thirty five. People go, "Oh, I'll have the big one." Well, I think that might be something to do with it. Yeah, it I will think. Be. I think now that and that new Range Rover is so good. Oh, I'd have the big one over the Sport as well. And the world has moved to accepting bigger cars and things like that. And there yeah. was such fanfare around the new big one. Then when the sport came out, it kind of skipped a beat a bit. People were like, oh, I'm not really sure about this look and whatever. And then if you're spending 120 grand on an SUV, I don't know, like, where's well, your tell, head at? I'll tell you what happened with the last car, right? So with the last car, the demand was all in the sport. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted mm-hmm, the sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The big car come out first, as it always done, and everyone said... I'm going to wait for the sport because it's going to be it's going to be a load cheaper. It'll be better to drive. As in, I actually it's not as you know wafty or sure. the sport is more sporty, obviously. But this new one come out and it is unbelievable. It's the car that I would definitely have, and it, it I think it I think the market switched on them. I think people would rather be in the big one than be in the be in the sport. Because if you remember, like, I mean, this was probably 15 or 20 years ago. Clarkson, you remember Clarkson said about you can't have a sport because if a big Range Rover yeah, pulls yeah. up beside you. And I think that's the case now because the money difference is not that different. Whereas in the older car, it still was quite a big difference. The money difference ain't that much different now. It's become McCann Cayenne, where before they were a lot closer. Well, I'll tell you a story about that. Oh, I mean, God, I, 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 I've said this before, and I genuinely think had McCann come out before KN, I've said this before, I I, I think they would, wouldn't have sold half as many KNs as no. they, as they yeah, would have yeah. McCann's. Because the McCann was the car that everyone wanted. And it's, it's still like, unbelievably popular. It still is. 
they yeah. keep they keep rumouring about this EV McCann, which I think would sell like hotcakes if they can get the range up. And the money. Yeah, and the money right. Because, uh, you know, a decent McCann, 65 grand. Don't forget me, when they come out, they were 40. I know, I know. They were unbelievable. That first diesel car with some spec on it was probably 50 grand. Insane. Yeah. And now GTS is a what, 100 grand? Oh, uh, no. Close to? List the list good spec ones, probably early 80s. Okay. But yeah, people try and ask 90, 95 grand from. Before we wrap things up. Um, that was a quick one. Why well, wasn't we've been chatting a lot, mate? Have we? Uh, I thought we'd just very quickly touch on my synthetic fuels video, which went live on Sunday. My trip down to Chile, Patagonia, which we obviously spoke about before in a whole separate episode, but I think a few people may have missed that. You can go back and check it out. Uh, but there were a few points that people raised, which I kind of wanted to come back on or clarify at least my thoughts about. At least where I'm coming from with all of this is it's not a EVs or synthetic fuels argument. My whole pitch is not we should only be doing synthetic fuels. Save the combustion engine, scrap these EV pieces of crap, just put synthetic fuels and everything and we're off. We're off to the races. I am that of the thought that there should be multiple options or multiple routes moving forward. That's not gonna work. Not one thing is gonna work for everybody. In big cities like London, Paris, New York, etc., EVs make a huge amount of sense. Reduce the pollution in the city centres, short distances, even shared vehicles, all of that stuff makes tons of sense. But counteract it by building them. Well, but hold on a sec. Like there's, yes, there's a lot of things with EVs that they don't have the same green credentials as people would hope or claim. There's a question about their lifespan and what you do with them afterwards. That is a question. We don't really know that bit yet. There's the investment that goes into creating them and building them. There's also the slightly non-ethical and non-green elements of mining for lithium and nickel and things like that um, required for the size of batteries. And the same question that comes from synthetic, which is the the green energy, which, look, hey, synthetic fuels requires a lot of green energy, but heck, so does charging an EV. So there's red flags everywhere because also with synthetic fuels, it's not perfect. The biggest red mark with synthetic fuels is is it feasible is it possible for even all of the current energy suppliers to make enough synthetic fuel for the world's demand it's at this point it looks unlikely but with enough investment or with a similar amount of investment that's going into electric vehicles you would think there will be developments in the creation of synthetic fuel. I think what you're trying to say is, is there is not a fuel in this world that will be completely neutral at all. Whether it be fuel, whether it be electric, whether it be synthetic, it, there'll always be some sort of emission, right? Whether you're, uh, you're whether you're making it, or whether it's coming out the back, or uh, there will always be some it, it, on the world. There will always be some drain of fuel or or burning of something to create it that's what i'm saying yeah i think uh, yeah i'm with you i'm with you but let let's try and between all these different fuels let's try and reduce it to as to as low as we can that i I think that's where we need to try and aim towards and for me the biggest part of it is whilst all these technologies are developed battery electric vehicles maybe hydrogen fuel cells whatever else people are going to figure out in the years ahead, because development is rapid. There's the 1.4 billion cars that are already on the road. Yeah. And synthetic fuels, even in a small amount, 
can help to reduce some of those emissions. Yeah. You know, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's hundreds of billions of litres of fuel that the UK uses of per cool. year, let yeah, alone. Yeah. And we're and, tiny, by the way. And we're tiny. Tiny. And, and you've got Porsche and HIF aiming to make something like half a billion a year. Yeah. So, you know... But that half a billion shouldn't be discounted. No. <laughs> that can help, and it can help in so many different ways. So, yeah, there was a lot of people that was like, oh, you're just, you're trying, your naysayers, you're just trying to avoid an EV future. I'm not trying to avoid an EV future. I am. <laughs> it's a disaster. I don't think it's an entire disaster. <laughs> What's but the what, comments after that? What I'm saying is, <laughs> is that there should be every route investigated, and in my mind, synthetic fuel is something that we should be jumping on right now as a way to help us reduce emissions right now. Because as Tony's pointed out, EVs are not perfect right now. They might eventually get to a more perfect state. More perfect, not perfect. No chance. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to... Anyway, big conversation. But since that video was recorded, Germany, obviously, have managed to convince the EU to basically put an asterisk to the 2035 ban that the synthetically fueled combustion engines will be permitted. Yeah. So, so there you go then. There we go. We're already seeing backtrack, um, but positively around this. So yeah, I just wanted to clarify. That was kind of my stance. It's not a them or us. What's it called? You know, I don't want, I'm not saying no EV you're synthetic. Not, it's, you're not trying to, you're not trying to cause a divide. Yeah. You're just trying to, trying to find a solution. Exactly. And highlight a great alternative yeah. to the BEVs. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure there'll be more on this because, yeah, you know, we can't help but talk about synthetic fuel. We love it's it. so exciting. It's like throwing a grenade in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Those have to it up. Uh, live chat viewers on Recast, stay tuned. I'll just uh, reveal the spec of the Range Rover Sport because I know a few of you have been asking for that uh, in the live chat um, before we all disappear. Um, but for those of you that have been watching us on YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to also be part of live chats and live streams, you can join us on recast.tv forward slash behind the glass. Um, uh, also, yeah, next week, I think Paul and I are coming back with another episode of After Trick Flag, our F1 special series. Uh, we're available audio only on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, all your usual podcast players. If you want to follow Tony, he's at Tony Gravelwood Car Sales on most social media platforms. And I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. And yes, we'll be back with you very soon. See ya. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 